lives. Thank you for all the ways in which we acknowledge this morning that everything we have, we have because you've given it to us. We're just asking this morning that despite everything that seems to stand against us in this day, with what's happening in our country, what's happening in the world, maybe what's happening in our own personal lives, you would cause us the ability to have joy, that you would give us grace so that we might praise you even in dark days, that we would put you first, that we would honor and glorify you. And this morning as we open the word, I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, we need you to speak to us. This is not about what I think. This is not about what our church thinks. This is about what you think, what you say, what you have told us and command and ask of us. So, Father, I pray that you will orient our hearts toward you this morning, that in these next few moments we might be able to set aside everything except your voice. In Christ's name, amen. Well, thanks, folks. Those of you that are standing can have a seat. If you have an umbrella, you might want to put it up if you have not already done so. Um, my apologies for praying so hard for a nice day. I shouldn't have prayed so hard. I should have prayed for just a mediocre day, and maybe it wouldn't be quite so hot. Uh, we're glad that you're here, and, and I promise I promise to speak no more than an hour and 35 minutes, so I promise we'll be done by noon. How's that? Uh, how about 15 or 20? Does that sound good? <laughs> Crystal, enough from you. <laughs> see, see, this is good. I have been missing this. And now I'm going to probably start picking on people again. I, I won't do that. Uh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a history lesson this morning. In 1789, our founding fathers wrote a document that we call the Constitution of the United States of America. And the original Constitution, in its first iteration, had ten articles for the function of our government, for the function of our country. And the story is told that one day at the, at the end of one of the sessions of the Constitutional Congress that was meeting, uh, Benjamin Franklin was coming out of the building and there were people who were gathered around waiting for news of what had been decided. And one of them said to Mr. Franklin, they said, Sir, what kind of government have you given us? And Franklin replied, A republic if you can keep it. And the reason why he said that was that Benjamin Franklin and the other founding fathers understood that it was one thing to win their independence, to win our independence from England, but it was another thing to live every day together with the vast diversity of our country, even then, even 230 years ago, and to make decisions that would allow our democracy and democratic way of life to continue. We can clearly see that that's happening in our country today. Just because in 1789 the Founding Fathers said, this is what our country is going to be, doesn't mean that that's what it's always going to be. It's a continual battle. And the Israelites find themselves in a similar situation here when we come to Joshua 24. If you've been with us the last few weeks, we have started this series called The Whole Story. We're going to go through every book of the Bible and do one message on each of the 66 books. In Genesis, we saw that God gave Abraham and his family a promise, a promise of blessing and a promise of influence 
In Exodus, we saw that same family in bondage in the nation of Egypt, and we saw God set them free and deliver them. In Leviticus, we saw God reveal himself and his holiness to the people of Israel and told them what he expected of them. In Numbers, we saw their refusal to trust God and enter the land that he had promised to them. And then last week in Deuteronomy, we saw that God gave them a reminder of the law and prepared them to enter the land. Now we come to the book of Joshua, and obviously we don't have time to go all the way through the book of Joshua, but we come to Joshua and we see that they did enter the land, and they have conquered it with God's help. It hasn't been a perfectly smooth ride, but they are where God had promised that he would take them. Now, last week, when Tim was teaching us from the book of Deuteronomy, he said Moses got to the end of that challenge. Moses knew he was going to die. Moses knew he wouldn't go into the promised land. And he challenged the people, and he said, choose life. Choose obedience. Choose to trust God and choose to go into what God has promised for you. And they did. They chose to believe and enter. But now that they are in the land... What would they do? Would they continue to live in the liberty that God had given them? And this is not unlike the position that we find ourselves in today. You see, if you're here this morning and you're a Christ follower, then a tremendous battle has been fought in your life already. A battle for your soul. A battle to break away from the slavery of sin and to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. Ephesians chapter 4 tells us that when Jesus rose from the dead, that he took captivity captive. He led the captives free. That's you and me, those of us that are believers. Christ set us free and led us out of slavery. But now we have a choice, just like the Israelites did in Joshua 24. And the choice is this. Will we continue in this liberty that God has given us? Will we continue to live in a way that honors God? Will we continue to make the decisions that glorify Him in our lives and follow His design? Just like we make ongoing, continual decisions every day to follow the law and live out the aspects of the Constitution of the United States, we must make ongoing, continual, conscious decisions to obey God. This is not a one-time thing. Following God requires constant attention. Following God is a daily choice. That's what I want you to grab a hold of this morning and take with you, that following God is a daily choice. And I want to read some verses from Joshua 24 for you. We're going to walk our way through it. And what I hope that you will see with me as we do is that the verses that Joshua wrote then thousands of years ago, are incredibly relevant for us today. Joshua knows he's near death. He's been a faithful leader. He's been a godly leader. And he wants to give one more challenge. So Joshua 24 and verse 14 says this. Now therefore, Joshua says, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity, that is completely or entirely, and serve him in faithfulness, that is in consistency, Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. 
And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, choose this day. In other words, he's saying, choose right now. Choose today. What Joshua wanted Israel to understand was, this wasn't going away since they were in the promised land. He didn't want them to come in and get their land and then just breathe a sigh of relief. There, we're done. It's over. He wanted them to understand that the battles would continue. There would be more challenges in their lives. And Joshua said, you guys do what you want to do, but I've made the decision. My house will serve the Lord. My household, my family. So Joshua sets the tone and the pattern. Look at verse 16. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And when that passage, he says there in verse 16, the people answered, Far be it from us that we would forsake the Lord. The phrase, far be it from us, is an interjection. It's like the the people said, no way, no way, we're not going to stop. We're going to serve God. That's crazy that you would even say that, Joshua. There's no way that we could ever forget God and everything that he has done for us. Now, does that sound familiar for us, for those of us that are Christ followers? How easy is it for us to verbally assent, to say, yes, yep, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve God. But it's difficult to follow through, isn't it? And sometimes we even say, like the people did, no, we're going to serve God because look at everything that God has done for me. And sometimes when we have conversations, you and I or you and other Christ followers, you say, man, look at what God has done for me. He's done all this. He's cared for me. He's provided for me. He brought me out of some of you. God has freed you from addiction or he has brought you out of a difficult situation. He's provided for you and your family. You say, man, everything that God's done for me, I'm going to serve God. And that's what the Israelites said. We can say that, and a month later we're doing our own thing. It's very easy to do this verbally with no hesitation. It's much harder to follow through. Verse 19, but Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. Joshua, as you can see, is a little bit negative here. You're not going to do it. You're not going to follow God. There's no way. Verse 21, and the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said in verse 23, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. Israel says, no, no, Joshua, we're going to do it. 
So what does Joshua say? Joshua says, okay, you said it. You said you're going to do it. It's on the record that you are going to obey God. Now notice how Joshua challenges them if they're going to do that. He said, then you're going to have to put away the foreign gods that are among you. See, here's what was happening. People of Israel had gone in. There were all these tribes in the promised land, and all these tribes had their own gods that they worshipped. And one of the things that they were supposed to do when they conquered the people was to get rid of the idols, tear down the places of worship for the idols and get rid of them. Sometimes they did that, and sometimes they didn't. How does that relate to us? Well, it relates to us exactly the same way. Sometimes... When we come to Christ and He saves us and He gives us forgiveness and expresses grace in our hearts so that we might become His children, it's important for us to root out the sin that's in our hearts. It's important for us to turn away from the old way of living and live a different way. And, like Israel, sometimes we do that and sometimes we don't. So Joshua says, turn away from these things. And incline your heart to the Lord. The word incline means to to stretch toward. It implies energy expended and even pain and effort. This doesn't happen by accident. If you and I, friends, if, if you and I are going to follow God daily, not just make a decision to trust Jesus Christ, but every day honor God in our hearts and our lives, then it is going to take some effort and intentionality on our parts to incline our hearts toward God, to orient our hearts and minds toward God. That's what Paul's talking about in Colossians chapter 3 when he says, set your affection, the old King James says, or set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. We have to make the decision to incline our hearts toward God, to orient our lives toward God. Now, it's been probably a couple of three years ago now, but there was a a message that I was talking about, something like this, about surrender. And I told you the story of William Borden, who lived back in the the turn of the 20th century. I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but William Borden ended up as a young man giving his heart and life to Christ and going as a missionary to Africa. And one of the things that he wrote on the inside flyleaf of his Bible is he wrestled with following God daily. He wrote, say, no to self and yes to Jesus every time. No to self and yes to Jesus every time. That's what it means to orient your heart and mind toward God. When we have this choice, say no to myself. This is what I want to do. This is what makes sense to me. But this is what God wants me to do. And so we must do that. And that's how Joshua challenged the people. Look at verse 24. The people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and His voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone, he set it up there under the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that He spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his own inheritance. Now, there's a lot of good stuff here. I'm going to refer to it in just a minute as we make application here in a few minutes when we close. But I want to pause here to show how this applies to us today, because 
Today is Father's Day. And I know that not everyone here is a father. And in a minute, I'll apply this to all of us. But if you will bear with me for a moment, I want to speak to those guys that are here that are fathers. Fathers, we have a grave responsibility in this culture, in this time. I know we always have. I know for centuries guys have preached Father's Day's messages and said things like this. But I want you to understand we have a special responsibility today in this culture. Because our world is telling us that biology doesn't matter. And our world is telling us that gender doesn't matter. And our world is telling us that the family does not matter. And those are lies. They are lies. We need men to be men. We need men to be strong. We need them to love God. We need men who care about other people. And for those that have wives and families, we need men who will serve them lovingly and selflessly, more than we ever have. We've always needed it because it's the way that God has intended our society to function. He created the family. But we need it more today than we ever have. And I want to challenge you this morning with your responsibility to be that for your families. Now, how many of you are students of history, but the seventh president of our country was a man named Andrew Jackson. Andrew Jackson's an interesting character. If you ever want a colorful read, uh, you can read a little bit about him. But before Andrew Jackson became the president of the United States, he was a state legislator in Tennessee. He was a, he was a U.S. Senator, he was a U.S. Congressman, he was a member of the Tennessee Supreme Court, he was a lawyer, and he was a general in the United States Army. And before he became the seventh president of the United States, it's rumored that Andrew Jackson had fought 13 duels. <laughs> 13 duels. That's probably one of the reasons why he had about 40 pistols in his collection at home, too. Now, I want you to understand, I want to be real clear here, I'm not advocating that we bring duels back as a way to settle things. In our, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But there's something very interesting about Andrew Jackson. He was known for his courage and his bravery on the battlefield, and in light of the fact that he fought and obviously survived 13 duels, we know that he was not one to back down. And when he was asked about this, when he became the president and he asked about his tenacity and his courage and his willingness to step into battle, he said this, I was born for the storm. The calm does not suit me. <laughs> Guys, we need men in our country, we need men in this church we need men in this community who will stand for what is right. Men who are not afraid to stand for the truth, to defend their families, to care for their loved ones, to love other people, and to sacrifice all for the good of those around them. That's the kind of men that we need in our country today. We need men who step up and step in who are born for the storm, who don't run and hide, 
but stand and set the example, set the tone for our communities and our countries. Guys, God is calling us to be three things. Just quickly before we wrap this up, God's calling us to be three things. If you're a father, if you're a husband here this morning, God is calling you to be holy. I have guys all the time, and I know that Tim does too, come to us and say, how do I care for my wife? I don't know what to do in this situation. We're struggling or we're wrestling with this. How do I raise my children? How do I lead my children? Guys, I want you to understand something, that the best thing that you can do for your wife and for your children is to follow God and to be holy, to be the person that God has called you to be, to learn, to grow, to set aside the things in your life that do not honor God and to draw ever closer to Him. Do not leave your wife and children to fend for themselves spiritually. Do not leave them. You lead them. God is calling us to be holy. Secondly, guys, God is calling us to be consistent. Do not make your wife or your children Guess what kind of mood you're going to be in when you get home. Don't make them guess whether you're going to be available to help or you're going to rage because you had a bad day. You be consistent for your wife and your children. You make sure that they know that whenever they need you, you are there, that you are lovingly caring for them. And thirdly, guys, God is calling us to be present Our families need us to be present physically and emotionally, physically and mentally. We don't have time to go into it all, but numerous studies have been done in university, medical, and psychological departments around the country, and the evidence is overwhelming that the more time children spend with their fathers, obviously moms are incredibly important, But the more time they spend with their fathers, the more confident they are, the more skilled they are in social situations, and the more prepared they are to live an independent and healthy life. It's a direct correlation, guys, between how your children function in this culture and how much time you and I spend with them. Men, we need you to be men, and our country needs you to be men. Well, folks, this is for all of us as well. And so as we close this morning, I want to just make a quick application to all of us. Following God is a daily choice. Following God is a daily choice. And I want to just give you three quick questions. If you have the lyric sheet in front of you, they're in the sermon notes. If you have your smartphone and you're on the app, the questions are there. I want you to think of these three questions. Number one. Who have you chosen to serve this day? Joshua says, choose this day. Every day you've got to decide how you're going to live. When that alarm goes off and you smack it or you hit the snooze four times or whatever it takes to get yourself out of bed in the morning, who are you going to serve? Just because you chose to serve God yesterday doesn't mean you will make the right decisions today. Every day. Choose today. Who have you chosen to serve every day? It doesn't happen automatically. Second question, what voices are you listening to? 
What voices are you listening to? In verse 24, when the people were pushing back against Joshua's doubt and cynicism, they said, his voice we will obey. Whose voice are you listening to? There are a lot of voices competing for your attention right now, aren't there? A lot of people would like to tell you what you should do and what you should think and how you should live and what's right and wrong. Whose voices are you listening to? Unfortunately, I think a lot of the panic and the fear of what's going on in our country is because of the voices that people are listening to. Who are you going to choose to listen to? And here's the third question. What reminders have you set up in your life? In verses 26 and 27, I don't know if you noticed it when I read by there, but Joshua said, okay, this is the decision you make. Great. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this stone and we're going to put it here. Under it says the terebinth. The terebinth was a type of tree similar to our oak tree. So we're going to take this stone, we're going to put it here by the tree as a witness. Because the stone, he said, has heard everything we've said today. Now, this wasn't a special stone. It didn't have ears or magical powers, but it was a marker. It was a reminder so that every time they saw that stone, they would say, oh, yeah, this is what we're supposed to do. Why do we need to do that? Why did the Israelites need to do that? Because we can forget. Did you know this? I bet some of the, our wives that are here this morning know this about their husbands. We can forget almost instantly. I have a special power. Melody can tell me something, and in 30 seconds, I have the power to forget it. It happens all the time. I'll say, she'll ask me if I can help her with something, and I'll say yes, and a minute later, she asks me again. And I'll say, why are you asking me again? You just asked me that. She said, I know, but most of the time when I ask you something, you forget. It's just, I don't know, I have a wire loose. I thought it was just me. But last week, Tim was going to mention something when he got up to speak, and he said, see, he knows this about himself. He's a very self-aware guy. He said, hey, if I forget, wave your arm at me so I'll remember. So I said, okay. 30 seconds after I tell him, he comes up, and he just, and I know he's forgotten. So I'm up. I don't know if anybody saw me, but I was like this, and I saw a little grin on his face, and he remembered. We forget. What kind of reminders have you set up in your life? What kind of reminders can we use to remind us of what we have, the commitment we have made before God? Well, the reminder of daily scripture. Join a small group so you can interact with other people who are living life the same way you are. Come to church like this so you can hear the truth. Have conversations with other people who love God. Friends, if you don't set up some reminders in your life, you'll drift. I guarantee it, you'll drift. Can you say to God this morning, my heart is yours. I love you, God, and I remember everything that you've done for me, and my heart is yours today, this morning, my heart is is yours. Can you say that? That's what we're going to sing. I don't know about you, but it's really easy to stand up here and sing these songs and maybe not process what we're singing about. So this morning, I want to invite you to join us as we sing this last song and ask God to help you to make the daily choice to follow him. Let's sing together.
24 says, So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his own inheritance. Now if you read the book of Joshua, one third of it is a little dry. Because Joshua is saying, Okay, you, this family, God gave you this land. This family, God gave you this land. This family, God gave you this land. So when Joshua was sending them away to their inheritance, he was sending them away to what God had given them, what God had blessed them with. I'm kind of doing the same thing this morning. I don't have any land to give you, but I'm sending you away to your inheritance. What do you have? Do you have a spouse? Do you have children? That's part of your inheritance. Do you have a home? Do you have a house, an apartment? That's part of your inheritance. Do you have a job? Do you have neighbors? Do you have friends? Do you have money? That's your inheritance. I'm sending you out today, folks, to what God has blessed you with. And you may be sitting there and you'll be saying, well, you know, God hasn't blessed me with very much. This is all I have. You know what? That's what God has given you. God gives some much. He gives others little. He expects faithfulness. So as we leave here today, folks, I'm challenging you to go to your inheritance, whatever it is that God has given you, whatever you, your lot in life is, wherever God has placed you, and I'm challenging you to choose today to serve God. That's the message of Joshua. Choose who you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. By His grace, with His strength, as we surrender ourselves to Him, surrender yourself to Him and all that you have. Choose to serve Him. Father, thank You for allowing us to gather today for Your goodness and grace, for all You have given us, no matter how much or how little it is. We acknowledge that it is a good and precious gift from You. And I pray that this group will choose today to serve you in this community. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for coming, folks. I hope you have a wonderful week. Take care.